Welcome to The Off-Five, a podcast where two new friends need to talk about The Office. My name is Nathan. I'm Addie. And today we're talking about the third episode, Healthcare, which came out on April 5th, 2005. 2005. And do we usually say anything else before I read the introduction to the episode? Nathan is about to read the introduction to the episode. Here it goes from Wikipedia. The most trusted source, because everybody can post on it. It's true. So I just read these. I don't read them beforehand. I read them out loud. And that's why I read them so funny with weird pauses, like I've never read off a teleprompter before. Healthcare is the third episode of the first season of the American comedy television series, The Office. Hey! And the show's third episode overall, written by Paul Liebertson, who also (laughs) acts in the show as Toby Flinderson and directed by Ken Whittingham. In this episode, Michael is tasked with choosing a new and inexpensive healthcare plan. He immediately hands it off to enthusiastic volunteer Dwight. Dwight ruthlessly cuts nearly all benefits in the new plan, angering the rest of the office staff. Meanwhile, Pam and Jim make up fake diseases, much to Dwight's chagrin. (laughs) In an attempt to appease them, Michael promises the entire office a surprise and then spends the rest of the day scrambling to come through with his promise. The employees wait for Michael's surprise, which he awkwardly never delivers. Dun, dun, dun. Sounds pretty good. It doesn't mention that he first tried to get Jim to do the plan. Jim doesn't want to because this isn't his career. It's just a temporary job. Yeah. And it doesn't mention that Michael first wanted to do the good plan. And it also doesn't mention that Michael did come through with a surprise. It was ice cream sandwiches. Ice cream sandwiches are not bad. I ate one today. You did? Yes. It's snowing out. I only eat ice cream when it's cold. Do you go outside and eat it so it doesn't uh, melt? I think I ate it in my car because <laughs> it was cold. While driving in the snow? Yeah. That's yeah. Wow. That, that's true because I was putting little pieces in the little trash can I have behind me and I remember the wrapper was coming off in small pieces. No wonder you were fishtailing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> so what do you think about this episode overall? Uh, I thought it was great. Good. <laughs> Me too. I actually really like this episode. I think it's when the office is starting to feel its groove. It's episode three. Heck yeah. And the other two were a little bit awkward, I felt. The first one was introducing the characters' names mm-hmm. and the place. Yes. And then the second one is the characters getting a little bit of personality, a little bit more dynamics. Mm -hmm. But the third one... This is is where magic happens. Yeah, it kicks into, I'll say, third gear. Yeah. A good driving gear. It is a great Unless you're on the freeway. Yeah, but if you're going 30 to 40 miles per hour like you were today in the snow. Yeah. You know? How many miles per hour do you think this episode goes? Gets up to 45. Wow. Wow. So here are my favorite quotes from the episode. When Michael says, you got to crack these things open <laughs> about the healthcare manual. Oh, to Jan, yeah. And Jan just <laughs> looks at him like, okay. Do you have any you really like from this episode? I like Pamela Amma Ding Dong. Pamela Amma Ding Dong. <laughs> I really like, I don't think this is the kind of task that I'm going to do. I think I should focus on sales. <laughs> I'm going to do. And I have a big thing to say about this episode, but I think I'll save it toward the end. Oh, okay. So it's what we call a cliffhanger. Actually, no, it's not. Because it's not the end of the episode. 
I noticed something that I was pretty proud of myself for noticing. Um, and that is, hopefully it's not your cliffhanger. <gasps> is it that Creed's voice was the guy that is talking about the mine? That's great. No, that wasn't it. But I, Uh-oh. that is true. Did you notice that? I didn't notice it, but I read it. Cheat. Cheating, but I'm so glad that you didn't, and that you were able to say. <laughs> I mean, it I fact checked. So, oh, okay. So hecklers beware! I fact checked. And when I heard him, after I looked that up and I heard it, it makes sense. Yeah, I said, "What an idiot!" Yeah, it. I was like, that voice sounds so familiar. What else did you like about this episode? Well, in the finer things club, which is stuff we notice, there and was stuff we like. Stuff we like when Michael's talking about giving Dwight the responsibility. He says, if he fails, then strike two. And good for me for giving him a second chance. And I couldn't help but think of, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, strike three. (laughs) (laughs) So, That's a classic Michael line right there. I don't know what he's giving him a second chance for. But if this is true, this could be strike two. And then strike three could have been uh, trying to overthrow Michael. Oh, wait. No, that's strike one in that scenario i guess he forgets about strikes he's a bad umpire <laughs> he really is i mean at different times he gives stars that's true strikes <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah just whatever he feels like i love when um he pretends that he's getting a call like he can't talk to pam even though she's the receptionist yeah she knows that he's not getting a call and then later on in the episode he says he's so good at improv but if he were actually good at improv he would say it was on his cell yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, he's not good at improv. There's a difference between really liking improv and then thinking you're good at it. Yeah. And he just doesn't. Maybe this is before he started taking classes. Or maybe he took classes a long time ago because as we see in the future, he never gets good at it. He always just pretends he has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> at least he didn't do that here. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> but Michael Scott may not be good at improv and acting, but... We are. <laughs> Steve Carell is. Oh, yeah. One Steve of my Carell. favorite things is when he's about to leave the office and Pam's like, where are you going? And he's like, I, I got a meeting. Like, oh. And then he's like shuffling around, like feeling in the door. And he's like, couldn't find the knob. And then he opens the door and leaves <laughs> real quick. <laughs> it's just one of my favorite things. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Michael is in classic Michael form in this episode. It's awesome. Doesn't want to take responsibility, closes the blinds to his office, which is kind of weird that he has blinds to his office in the first place, which is interesting how the documentary crew kind of looks through the blinds, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can see him in his office just eating the ice cream sandwiches by himself. (laughs) We got to make sure YouTube comes down to film this. Right. Yeah. There was one other thing where it comes over and he's on the phone with Pam and he says he has a call and he's really busy. And then the, they finally go around and find a little hole and like get it focused just right where you can see he's just playing with the Dunder Mifflin truck on his <laughs> desk. And that's all he's doing. And then in the beginning when he um, he asked Pam what the messages are and she she's just like, do you want me to repeat it for the all film right. crew? <laughs> yeah. The, she looks at the... And then Kevin does it again too when he's talking about anal fishers. <laughs> And he looks at that's the cameras. A, that's going to be bleeped out, don't worry. Somebody has them. <laughs> hey, they didn't bleep it out in the office. <laughs> I don't think. 
Okay, so what else do we have? We Oh, so when he goes to see the travel agent, <laughs> the guy working there, the travel agent, that was a long way of saying that. <laughs> That's the guy from Arrested Development that works at the office oh. at the Bluth Company. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, and this is kind of not related to anything, but the hand cream on his desk. Oh, I did notice that. Wait, it's really distracting. Don't tell me, what does it say? It says, not Lubriderm. It says something like, it was like, I was like, why do they have off-brand lotion on the desk? What does it say? Uh, I don't remember. It was like what it's for, right? Or... Yeah, something. Oh, I don't remember. It was distracting, though. I did notice that, too. Well, I was going to say, if you buy hand cream in one of those big pump bottles like he has, that's cheaper. But it's not okay. You should fill up your smaller bottle. You don't want to have a gigantic bottle of Especially hand cream on your desk. Yeah, a travel agent. It just looks... It's not professional. Everyone's going to be looking at your keyboard and wondering if it's greasy. Yeah. <laughs> and knowing that it's greasy. Anyway, speaking of the rest of development, Phyllis is also an employee at the Bluth Company during one of their board meetings. I didn't know that either. And Kevin works at the gun shop and sells Tobias a gun. Uh, on Arrested Development? Yeah. Brian oh. Baumgartner. Yeah. But these were before the office started. So, oh. You know, Kevin is doing kind of a different voice there. He's not doing the... Or Brian, I guess, isn't doing the Kevin voice there. I mean, he's got a beard. It's a good look for him. Oh, on um, Arrested Development? Yeah. Oh. And he's got a little more hair. Huh. Because he loses a lot of hair during the office. Yeah, he does. And Poor Creed, Kevin. too. Poor Kevin. But Creed has a good... A hundred years on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think the world is crawling with Phyllis's? Oh, I don't know. But those were some good <laughs> things to go in there. <laughs> okay, we, we can go back. What else do you have? When they lock Dwight in the conference room, Jim and Pam do. I think it's kind of mean. Yeah. But it's really similar to a British office episode where Gareth is investigating who put who made these naked pictures with uh, the boss's face on them. And and he has an office that he keeps like putting up different signs for. He has different signs, and one of them says, Gareth Keenan investigates, with an exclamation point. Because <laughs> he wants a workspace to the do temporary that. temporary workspace. Yeah, so that was a good way to transfer it. That was like a good, funny thing, but they just put it in a different episode that they had. And that also made me think of some other time where people get locked in the conference room. The pizza guy? Oh, I wasn't even thinking of that one. What were you thinking? Is Prison there another Mike? one? Prison Mike? Prison Mike locks them in there because they don't appreciate oh, their that's freedom. right. Oh, my God. <laughs> so People get know. locked in there a lot. Don't I have don't... a conference room that has a lock yeah, on the outside. Yeah, that is really weird. Or if I it has a lock was... on the outside, make it so you can unlock it on the inside. Like yeah, a, that like a actually seems like a safety issue. What if there were a fire? They could go out the window, except their windows don't open. <laughs> we'll get to that. The fire. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was really um Oh wait, no, I think that's the gym. the bird episode. The bat? The bat. And they're trying to let the bat out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to remember. Drop it on Meredith's head instead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um I thought it was really mean of Jim. I'm not a big fan of Jim in this episode. And I know I said that last time. And I know that I give Jim the Dundee, the first episode. Yeah. Well, that was from 14-year-old Addy? 17. Oh. Well, it's too young. Yeah. <laughs> but, no. I mean, still, I think 14-year-old Addy would have given it to Jim, too. 
But mm-hmm. I just think that he's kind of mean in this episode. To Dwight, at least. Yeah, he is. Does he deserve it, though? Uh, yes. <laughs> he stole his biggest client last episode. That's true. I forgot about that. How did I forget about that? <laughs> so, one thing that I noticed that's really small, and I could probably notice at any point, but when they're in the break room, there's this picture by the bathroom that's just got a a lady, like a photo of a person. Looks like, like not a celebrity or something, just a person. Probably someone from the office production staff. And it shrunk down really small. And then on it, it says, Bwah, no personal calls. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'll post a screenshot of that on the Facebook because I, I got one. That's awesome. I didn't notice that, but I did notice a lot of no smoking signs around yeah. the office. There's a clear one on Pam's desk. Yeah. And then there's one behind her, too. It was that awkward time. When you had to tell people there was no smoking allowed in buildings. In 2005? Yeah, in 2005, there was still smoking at music venues. Those were the days. In New Mexico. And and bar, no. maybe. Yeah, I think bars even. That's yeah. been a recent development. Yeah, bars for maybe like a year or two more. But yeah. I wasn't going to bars then. But when I went to the music places, you could smoke, but you couldn't drink in there. So there were just cigarette butts everywhere. And oh my god, smoking. What were we thinking? Yeah, that was so 2005. <laughs> but also, like, now you can't even smoke outside in the city limits here. Nope. In Fort Collins? Yeah. That's not allowed. It's one of the rules. Yeah, it is. And it's pretty strictly enforced. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Good. I mean, I don't know. I don't really care that much. But I think a lot of people were on the verge of not smoking or or wouldn't have smoked enough to get addicted except you're just able to do it everywhere and now yeah. that it's a pain to smoke and more expensive i don't know i feel like that's going to deter a lot of people i don't think it's going to make anyone quit smoking that was already smoking but i think for new people to be like eh, you have to go like over there and stand by yourself instead of being able to just like smoke while you're talking to people and hanging out you have to like excuse yourself it makes you feel like more of a pariah i wonder if those rules could apply to gun control yeah you're not allowed to shoot a gun at anyone in the city that's a new so, rule <laughs> listen up <laughs> okay so i had a few questions about this episode too okay good i'm ready to answer in a segment i want to call question answer <laughs> so is michael on this plan too this healthcare plan or is he on a corporate plan it seems like he's on a corporate plan because he's not very invested no he's not at all okay also, I don't really think that even if he was on the plan, he would be very invested. He doesn't seem like he understands how healthcare works or what mm-hmm. it is or just that it costs money. I don't think he understands that at all. Could be. How would you explain to Michael what a deductible is? I mean, I don't think that, um, you know, remember when he when Oscar has to give him the lemonade stand? Oh, right. About the surplus? Yeah. That's true. I mean, he has been living, although he's also been the manager for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's tough because he does want to give them the best healthcare plan. And it sounds like when he says he wants to crack the books open, that Jan needs to, that he read them. He was very excited to give people a better health plan. And With he wanted, acupuncture. Yeah, he wanted them, he wanted Pam to reread the message asking him to do it. He was really proud to show Jan, the one he picked out. The problem is, this was a losing battle for them. 
they were never going to get health care because mm-hmm. that was the mandate. If they were going to get good health care, they would have just got what Michael gave. Mm-hmm. Because Jan tells him, pick the cheapest plan mm-hmm. and just pick a provider, which are basically all the same. Yeah. And if you can't even pick a level, you're picking the cheapest plan. Mm-hmm. That's the worst plan. Yeah. In 2005, that'll be like catastrophic insurance. Yeah. So even the one they got sounded better than probably. Yeah, they didn't have the marketplace they didn't to have, shop for Obamacare. And they didn't have the minimum Preventative coverage. care. Yeah. yeah. Mental health, stuff like that. So my We've other question... We've come a long way. We really have. God bless Obama. Why didn't <laughs> Dwight just throw out the two pages of fake diseases since they were all on the same paper? He didn't need to go through each one. He could just throw out the whole page that was all fake. Because it was one for Jim and one for Pam. Boom. Throw those out. Uh, well, because he also thought the anal fissures was fake. Oh, that's he true. He thought everything was fake. He thought inverted penis was fake. Yeah. That probably was, though. Yeah. Someone wrote it down wrong. Okay. Anyway, I was thinking about, what do you call it? Pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. Aren't those all pre-existing conditions that wouldn't be covered anyway? Right. If he's picking a healthcare plan based on pre-existing conditions, I mean, he should just pick something that covers, like, basic... I don't know. He's they might not... be covered in, like, a corporate plan, but you don't pick your plan based on diseases. You pick it more based on, are you going to be going to more doctor's visits or Do more the pharmacy? Yeah. yeah. Or, or are you worried about hospitalization? And it's basically just a big gamble with variables that you don't fully understand and most Americans can't comprehend that the insurance company is hoping that you lose because they're like the casino. So you pay them money, they give you a little bit back in terms of this and that, and then at some point they get to drop you for whatever. And then you they don't have to pay for the inevitable huge medical costs you will have later in life. Yeah, and I mean, you just want to look at what can you afford in terms of a monthly payment and then the deductible. Mm-hmm. So, come on, Dwight. Come on. So, do you think the world is crawling with Phyllis's? Yes. Okay. Well, there is no Stanley tree. So, what do you think about the characters? <laughs> the characters are great in this episode. The ones that are brought to the forefront. Michael, Dwight, Jim, even Pam. Kelly's not in it. Kelly's not. Ryan's in it briefly. Yeah, he says, is this the ice cream sandwiches with the cookies? Like... He talked to Michael about that already. And Ryan's also there waiting with bated breath at the end when they're waiting for Michael to address the healthcare problem, even though he doesn't get healthcare. So I don't quite oh, get what Ryan's really doing in this episode. And also, Ryan's 100% wrong. Classic ice cream sandwiches are the best ice cream sandwiches. Those cookie ones are overkill. The classic ice cream sandwich is the perfect... Like the Klondike? TM? <laughs> like, just like your regular old good humor... Nestle, like I just do like chocolate. the cookie ones. I'm sorry. <sighs> I just think they like. There's something about frozen cookies. <laughs> they, they taste like eating cookie dough, but not like in terms of taste, but in terms of tummy ache. Because <laughs> the taste is obviously awesome. Maybe that's what I like. Is the tummy? <laughs> the salmonella. The salmonella. <laughs> well, if I'm covered under a health insurance plan, then I should be fine. That's true. I have perfect immunity. <laughs> Uh, Kevin is kind of getting his more, not just talking slow, like in the past two episodes, but now he's kind of getting that childish humor. The bathroom. Yeah. But he's also right. 
He says he's got to come out sometime to go to the bathroom. And that Cut does two. change what Oscar yeah. does to like go wait for him to go to the bathroom. Because he's yeah. not just saying it like, like a truism. He has to come out. He's saying he's going to come out to go to the bathroom at some point because he went in there so early in the day. And that worked. Kind of. Michael escaped, but it's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, and he is anal fishers. <laughs> Character development. <laughs> Meredith had a hysterectomy, which is brought up so many times in the office. But this is the first time. Yeah, this is the first time we hear about her hysterectomy, which I think is good. It's bringing awareness yeah. to the issue of hysterectomies. Hersterectomies. That's what it should be called. And Count Choculatus. <laughs> Why did you make that up? You know I love Count Choculatus. Okay, so there's this uh, mashup of the Office theme song and a Little Wayne song. Have you ever heard it? No. And it starts with that exchange between Dwight and Michael. No, no, Dwight and Jim, where it says, Count Choculatus. Why did you write that down, Jim? Is it because you know I like Count Chocula? And then it goes into the Lil Wayne song. Uh-huh. So if you just Google Lil Wayne Count office, yeah, oh, okay. office mashup, you'll get it. It's good. Good. I want to check that out. <laughs> no, you don't. I do. Well, I just I don't know what it's going to sound like. There's only one way to find out. How does it sound? <laughs> I can't do it. Okay. I can't. Well, then I guess I'll have to listen to it. Dwight is in full wannabe totalitarian mode in this episode. He wants to know how many people he can fire. He wants the office. He wants it. But he has to be told that it's a temporary workspace. And told by Jan that he has no managerial power whatsoever. No, that's not entirely true because he was in charge of picking the health care plan. Which Jan finds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Jan in this episode. Him talking about nature, like he's the lion that attacks you and there's no health care in the jungle and just kind of cruel policies that he's pushing. That's good. That's more development for Dwight, right? That's like totally the direction he's going to go. Maybe coming to fruition fully in survivor man or something and it's jim's fault because if jim would have just picked the health care then we wouldn't have this problem okay that's my big thing jim is the villain of this episode and kind of pam too but he does multiple terrible things one is not just picking the best policy which he would have been able to probably push michael to get like one that was a little bit better or maybe even jan and that's their health care but instead he wants to not do anything, not have any responsibility, so he's able to let that go. Then, when Dwight asks, even though we don't think it's a good idea, he asks if he can get everyone covered by them putting down their conditions. So he'd at least know what people's conditions were when he's picking the plan, and he could do his best. Jim you know, he just has that puts idea. out fake ones. Yeah, Jim says something so that it will be anonymous, which is probably good, but he only does that so that he and Pam can put down fake things, which throws Dwight off and makes him question everybody and and waste the day because they have to get the healthcare plan to Jan by five. Yeah. And if he would have just done his job instead, he has to focus on sales and would rather be hit by a train. And even if that hadn't wasted the day enough, then he locks Dwight in the office and throws an ice cream sandwich at him. Yeah. So sad. So Jim and Pam, great flirting this episode 
but it's your fault the healthcare sucks. Great flirting, horrible work ethic. Yeah. Jim puts a lot of effort in this time into sabotaging the healthcare, which I would be fine with, except for two things. One is how judgmental he looks at the end, how disappointed in Michael. And two, him and Pam are young, healthy people, and they have no concept of their own privilege that makes them come up with all these fake things because they don't actually need anything covered and everyone else in the office needs covered and that's unacceptable yeah pam don't you need some birth control or something it's and even if she would put down birth control but then she also put down all that other stuff like yeah the hydro dental spontaneous you know you should know yeah so the privilege is real yeah, what do you think about that? Is Jim the worst in this episode? Yeah, I I mean, I thought so. I just couldn't really put my finger on why besides just being mean to Dwight. But it, it goes so much deeper than that. And the more Pam, times I watched it, it yeah. was like, he's responsible. And he's not helping at all. I mean, I first watched this on my laptop this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Then I watched it on the main TV in the living room. And then I just watched it on a big projector. And you're right, every time... It's becoming more and more clear that Jim and Pam are just not good people. They, If they want a good health care plan, they should have just picked it themselves. Yeah. Or, I don't know, come up with pros and cons for Dwight. Because Jim says it's so he can focus on sales. And then he admits it's because he doesn't want to raise up in the country. He's not but he's not doing sales, sales at all. No. Yeah. Nobody is. Because they have to keep getting called in for this nonsense to like get things taken care of. That is Jim and Pam's fault so i'm guessing that you didn't award the dundee to jim yeah that's accurate (laughs) neither did i (laughs) but before we do that and there's a cliffhanger right a cliffhanger yeah you said there was a cliffhanger oh it was that (laughs) it was just my whole thing about jim (laughs) sorry for the disappointment no no no, it's not a disappointment i just didn't I mean, it was it was really good. It was a bombshell. I wanted to put in the little pieces throughout the way and then pull it all together to a big case with a definite conclusion like Robert Mueller III. So it's not... <laughs> Whom I wake up to every morning in the portrait and I do the sign of the cross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I light a small candle. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if I would call that a cliffhanger as much as just like... Actually, you know what? Yeah, that's a cliffhanger. I just didn't want to say it at the beginning. Yeah. Halfway no, through that's, is good. That's really good. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so, Dwight, back to the characters. Dwight's never been sick. He doesn't need antibodies because he has superior genes and he has the brain power. And he can raise and lower his cholesterol. At will. Yeah, which reminded me of something else he can do at will. Two other things. One has to do with his penis, right? Yeah. He can... Can he, like... Can he, like, suck it into his cell or something? That's not the words he uses, but, yeah, he can retract it. <laughs> suck it. Um, okay, edit that out. It's supposed to be G-rated. But there's another What's thing he can do. What's the other thing? He can retract his veins into his arm. Oh, like when they're trying to draw blood or something? Yeah. And then he's oh. like, how about now? <laughs> It's the same actual, it's actually the same cutaway where he says the thing about his thing. But anyway, a little bit of a contradiction when he says that he loves Count Chocula, but 
Later on, he says he wasn't allowed sweets. Yeah, I was wondering about that because, I mean, my mom didn't even let us have... She didn't let us have grape nuts and raisin bran. Yeah. Count chocolate and cookie crisp. They're candy. Yeah. And waffle it's crisp. It's not a good idea to eat for breakfast because that will just spike your metabolism. And you know what? On the ads, they would say that it's part of a complete and balanced breakfast, which involved a lot of other things. Very like, small bowl of cereal. Yeah, like a bunch of veggies. <laughs> but also they said it was fortified with vitamins and stuff. So I assumed that these things were better for you than like cookies because it was a weird moment when I became old enough and I was like, oh, there are no corporations are not our adults. They won't stop you from eating a bowl of cookies for breakfast. They don't care. Yeah, they don't. Cookie I mean, whatever, crisp. whatever will sell. That's right. You know, and that's what the kids want. Reese's yeah. Pieces Puffs. Well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because my favorite thing to eat at the movie theater is not popcorn, but it's Reese's Puffs. Ooh. Do you think that that's healthier or less healthy than popcorn? Uh, popcorn's pretty healthy. Even with the butter on it? It's not great with the butter, but popcorn in itself is pretty healthy. Whereas I don't think there's anything good about Reese's Puffs. But, uh, you know, cereal's great. Reese's for breakfast? I'm thinking... Whoa, you know, and then you have Reese's for breakfast. So, Dwight says writing down the diseases to get covered. That's not the worst idea. He's no, he is trying. He's trying. He yeah. said he was going to try to get it covered. Michael told him to slash benefits. Yeah, he's trying to figure out the way that everyone can get what they want without going overboard and with saving money. Yeah. So, despite insisting the power to fire people, which he doesn't have. He, at one point, this is what really highlighted the whole thing for me. He's talking to Jim about the fake diseases. And he says, the problem is that people suffering from real medical conditions aren't going to get the care they need. And in the context of the show, it's like he's whining or like he's making up an excuse. But if you just read it in a normal tone, that is exactly the problem with Jim coming up with all those fake things. Is that it distracted from people who had real things they wanted covered. But in the show... Because right after that, Jim just locks him in the office. It's kind of like, what a dweeb. What a rule follower. Let's let's go. But that actually makes perfect sense. And that's not like the most standard thing. Because he made up the write down your disease thing. And now he's saying that the fake diseases are irritating him because of that. But this is exactly what I love about The Office. Is that it's taking that like... Like this totally would happen in real life. Where somebody who is more likable would say something and or lock somebody in a room and you'd be like yeah exactly when like common sense taken out of context we should really be listening to dwight here right it throws you off yeah it really does it it's like switching around the the roles in a way other than dwight wanting to immediately fire people and (laughs) which is a problem yeah sure he wanted he wanted to have the power to fire people. And when they said you cut benefits more than you had to, and he said, yeah. Other than that, he doesn't do a single thing wrong in this episode. He's just doing the thankless job that Michael had, but now even more thankless because he has someone right there in the office to blame him. <sighs> I don't know. He's really not that bad of a guy in this episode other than his tone and his dismissive attitude about some fake diseases, but they don't realize how driven crazy he's been already by these fake diseases yeah i agree and it's really just anal fissures (laughs) 
It, co- it all just circles back to the anal fissures. Because he's this inverted vagina, but I'm sure Pam wrote that down. So it's not his fault that he yeah. didn't know what that was. Yeah. He didn't know the difference between a uterus and a vagina. But <laughs> he doesn't know a lot of things like that. <laughs> he asked Toby. <laughs> so you said you liked Jan in this episode. Yeah, I think she was the only common sense. Well, I mean, you're making the case for Dwight here. But I think that jan even more so has some common sense which i don't think she exhibits in the future as much um Mm. but she's not scared to tell michael the bad news at the beginning she's very direct yeah she's direct i think you know good communicator she puts dwight in his place yeah and yeah she she tells him you have to do unpleasant things and the perspective of the episode is so myopic that it's like this is jan's fault and it's Michael's fault, and then it's Dwight's fault. That's just how the employees would feel. Whose fault is it? Probably someone at the very top of the corporation. Jan was probably told, cut expenses in the healthcare department. She went and communicated that effectively to Michael, even though it's not pleasant. And then he dropped the ball and scattered blame in every direction. Which I feel like is classic middle management. You're getting you know, direction from all different sides Mm -hmm. and you have to deal with it. And Michael is not good at dealing with that kind of conflict. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, and it's another example of why I love the office is this bureaucracy that is created for no good reason. Yeah. But I think you're right when you say that Jim's likable or, you know, she does a good job in this episode because she's not probably her fault either. She's not making these final decisions or if she is, it's because it's a business, but it's Michael no, can't appreciate that. It's no messing around. She's direct. She tells it like it is. And it's part of the problem with corporations is that Michael knows these people and mm-hmm. wants them to have good health care. And he partially because he wants to have good health care because he's their doctor, practically a specialist. But <laughs> also because he wants to be loved. He wants people to think what a great guy. Yeah, he wants people to be scared of how much they love him. <laughs> yeah. So Jan is more removed. She doesn't know those people. And the people that told her that, are they're just looking at numbers. And that's the thing, like you said, about corporations. There's so many people, so many layers of bureaucracy that the responsibility is spread out so much that there's really no one in particular to, to blame. Right. You can go to the top, but they didn't really know about it. And you can go to the person that told you, but they didn't really have control over it. Yeah. And the truth is like somewhere in the middle, but it's... They're so removed by that point. They yeah. really just worried, like, is the plan going to be so bad that people will quit? Yeah. And if so, will it be hard to hire replacements? <laughs> yeah. Which is unlikely. And before we move on to Michael and Jim, Angela really comes into her own. She has dermatitis, which is not a key character trait of hers, but she does really exercise her judginess. She says that's inappropriate to Kevin. To Kevin, yeah. And then my favorite moment of hers is when after Michael retreats back in his office again after you know oscar was ambushing him but she says did you talk to him and he says you saw it. and she's like you let him walk all over you it's pathetic <laughs> while they're walking back oh yeah like the person that was the most assertive in this situation she's still critical because she wasn't wouldn't be that person i think the accountant's corner has a lot of dynamics going on which are interesting and contribute to the character development of all the accountants yeah this is only the third episode in the first episode angela was saying i bet it's gonna be me you know it was so yeah meek she's 
really turned around. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. So now let's go on to the Jim and Michael analysis, which we've already kind of talked about. The section is called, you never expect you're the murderer. Let's start with Jim. He's the murderer. You never expect it, but he is. But he is, yeah. I have one thing to say about Jim, which I haven't said, but I could have said right from the beginning, and I could say every episode until the end, which is that he says Dwight like two syllables, like how I just said it. Dwight. And it's so weird that no one else does it. He always says it. And when he says it more slowly, like when he's trying to be the vampire, when he's saying he, he's like, bye, Dwight. But it doesn't matter how fast he's talking. He always says it like two syllables. Dwight. Which Dwight. I think I noticed when Dwight was on the phone and said, Dwight Schrute. Yeah. Which I noticed him saying it so quickly. So Dwight. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Dwight Schrute. <laughs> um, so. Michael. What do you think about Michael? Michael. <laughs> great guy i love him i love him you do no when michael talks about how doing his surprise is going to get people to love him what did that remind you of when he says the i love him and then he reflects on it himself like i love him wow did that remind you of anything else that he's done yeah it reminded me of i mean i still have that on the mind of i want people to Fear how much they love me. Right. It also reminded me of when he's talking about Ryan. And Ryan kind of puts him in his place when he comes back. And he's like, he's like, I saw a look in his eye that was like, hey, we're just, we're just messing around. We're buddies. You know, you're my friend. Uh, I love you. I, I love, love you. you. <laughs> his words. <laughs> that, oh. the kind of psychosis that comes into that is just so immaculate. I love it. Yeah, just his self-reflection. He's trying so hard, too. Yeah. That's the thing. It's so sad. But in another way, he's not trying that hard in this episode. No, he's really not. He so, just closes the door. He talks about, you know, how he provides for the employees. He gives them money. He gives them food through the money. And he's really excited to be, like, the best healthcare provider for them. And when he finds out that was not the plan, and I'm not sure if he was told that before or if he just missed every, you know, hint. Or if, like, you know, other wording, like, hey, we're trying to save some money, so let's pick out a new healthcare plan or something like that. But when he thought it was going to be good, he read the book, he chose the plan quickly, he had it ready to go by the time Jan came, and he was really proud of it. And it wasn't until later that he starts to completely throw off all responsibility, which, you know, delegating's a thing, but this is not delegating. This, no, it's avoidance. Yeah. Avoidant behavior as a manager. But yeah, he has something queued up when Jan gets there. At least he, he's not oblivious to the fact that he actually does have to choose a healthcare plan. He got the gold plan. Yeah, and I mean, who wouldn't want the gold plan? Jan's not even on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he kind of makes himself the villain in this because everyone knows to blame him, not Dwight, after the first time he comes out, right? So Dwight picks the plan. Everyone's blaming Dwight, but they're complaining to Michael. Once Michael goes to the bathroom, even though he doesn't address anything really on his way back in, he says enough. Well, Dwight says, you know, you told me to, you know. And then he says he's going to have a surprise. That everyone knows at that point that this is all Michael's fault. So even though they're going to work with Dwight, Dwight's not actually going to get any of the blame for this because this was completely Michael's fault. But Michael could have done the same kind of thing. He could have been Dwight, you know. He could have said, 
and I know this isn't great for morale, but he could have thrown corporate under the bus. They demanded the plan be bad. He's like, I picked out the best plan. They said, we basically have to pick this. He could have thrown it to like everybody, which one of these plans is best. You know, I'm having a hard time figuring it out. I just want everyone to have the best health care, which is true. But through his subterfuge, he actually makes himself the worst villain in this, you know? Well, and he also promises a surprise, which he has no idea what it's going to be. Like, he thinks that people are going to get distracted by, you know, like playing laser tag. Even yeah. like his best plan. Well, his best plan was to go to um, Atlantic City. Yeah. That didn't pan out. I don't think that was going to work either. Second best was the mine shaft and laser tag. Third best is ice cream sandwiches. None of those are good. Could have been avoided by just saying, hey. Or, you know, another option would be you just vote on a health care plan. Or what if everybody just got to pick their own, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think they buy like a corporate group rate oh and even the fact that they're only doing it regionally is kind of confusing but maybe it's because because these are the pickup provider like Mm -hmm. wouldn't dunder mifflin contract with one provider maybe it's regional but i mean he was in a bad position he tried to get them the best thing so he basically did all he could but he does it in such a poorly communicated way that Mm -hmm. there's nothing left but to blame him for it that's what it comes down to is communication and delegation which yeah well, and it all culminates in him trying to improvise his way out by with coming up with a surprise. Drum roll. The drum roll. Yeah, the drum. <laughs> the drum roll is so cringeworthy. He's like grimacing. <laughs> He's just hoping something will save him. Nothing does. No. And everyone's just staring. And they're like, what do you think the surprise is? We all don't think you don't have one. This will be called back, in my opinion, way later in Scott's Tots. Yeah, because Scott's he, Tots. He kind of does that, like, do you know what's what going to happen do? next? What you going to do? Make us dreams come true. Yeah. He's hoping it'll get better by not confronting it. And it just gets worse and worse. I was going to say that you don't see this outside of season one. Like this like classic Michael backed into a corner. But we see this in every season. This is just the first time. Yeah. The orifice. He uses the orifice, which... Does he ever say that again? I know I don't Jim think says so. it when he's pretending to be him. Yeah, I don't... I wish that he did, though, because I think that's pretty funny. That's a... The that's orifice. That's about Michael's level of humor. Mm-hmm. I like it. When, so then it cuts to him saying that he just, like, lives on improv, and it's when he comes alive and how he wants to... Whose Go. line is it anyway? Yeah, whose line is it anyway? Which is funny because um, Ryan Stiles lives in Bellingham, where I lived for five years. And there was multiple times where I saw Ryan Stiles at the Pho place, Pho 99. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and one time he came into the Thai restaurant I was working at, and I definitely made him giggle. Yeah? Yeah. About um, He ordered beef and broccoli, but he wanted it chicken and broccoli. And so when I delivered it to his table, I said, your beef and broccoli. I mean, chicken and broccoli. And he said, ha ha. <laughs> you made a guy laugh that made a million so people So I laugh. made a million people. And Can you one that? people. A million people. <laughs> a million people. <laughs> <laughs> that so was who's a good the real, show. Who's the real winner here? That was a good show. Yeah. But it wasn't classic improv, especially for people that have like been in improv, like Steve Carell. 
you know, it's like whenever someone's really into something and then some, you know, like they're into some sort of dance and then someone goes on Dancing in the Stars and gets a lot of, like, oh, that, it's not really the dance. They're just doing the like <laughs> sellout version. You know, that's like what Steve Carell's type of thinking yeah, when he says something like that. He totally was. He's supposed to go head to head with Robin Williams and he can't even come up with one thing to say that's not just <laughs> the worst, not even really a rhyme, you know? Oh, so funny. <laughs> I love Michael's references in this episode. Yeah. Pop culture references. 2005. <laughs> Frozen in time. So, writing and production. Great, Great Scott. Scott. It was written by Paul Lieberstein. 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 And he plays Toby. And the director is new. Oh, yeah. He directed a lot of Parks and Rec. Oh. Based on IMDb. Ken Whittingham? Mm-hmm. Good for him. The, I don't know, the direction was fine. <laughs> Seemed pretty good to me. There Just was... a warning, I'm not going to be able to give a lot of input into the director to each episode because although I love film directors, directors on TV shows, it's all it all looks the same to me. There's very rarely where I'll ever see a shot where I'm like, oh, that's really good. And even then, was it them or was it the cameraman, especially in a show like The Office where the person's... But cameraman's running around on their own using their skills. I just don't know what I'd really um, I mean, I think that any director is just going to try to stick with the style of the office, you know? Yeah. So you're not going to really see a lot of, like, stylistic choices. And television's a writer's medium, anyway. The writing staff is the same. Yeah, exactly. It's not like Paul Thomas Anderson's um, Phantom Thread, you no. know? That's not going to, you know, directorial choices aren't going to be so apparent as it as in that movie. If you had someone write and direct the episode with complete creative control without using the writing staff, that would probably not be a very good episode of The Office. <laughs> but it would be interesting. Yeah, it would. Maybe for the reboot. Sure. <laughs> yeah, they could have like one one person do that. They should... For the reboot, I think it would be cool if they went back to this camera style, at least. The, like, I love this camera style. The Survivor reality mm-hmm. show. Yeah, the like it's not so slick. I I think it would be really cool, and it would really show that this isn't just going to continue the zaniness. Okay, so should we give out our dundies or talk about the critical reviews from the time? I think critical review, because I'm honestly on the fence of who I want to give my dundie to. I'm thinking of two people in mind, and I just can't decide. I've also not decided. Oh, really? This will be fun. Okay. I was just hoping it would come to me, and also I forgot. (laughs) You forgot who you're going to give the Dundee to? Yeah, I forgot to do it. Oh, <laughs> during my you forgot preparation. to think about it? Yeah. I, I think get... I know who you're going to give the Dundee to. Oh, yeah? Maybe. Well, Hank, the security guard. <laughs> I know he's doing a good job because no one burst onto the set this time. <laughs> All right. So here's what the critical reception to this episode was. Have you proofread these? I have not. All right. Critical reception to healthcare was largely positive. Eric Adams of the AV Club awarded the episode a B plus and felt the episode helped to expand upon Dwight's character, noting that, quote, the pieces are falling into place, end quote, for Dwight, to become the show's breakout character. Furthermore, he applauded the fact that the episode was based on an episode of the original BBC series, but that it did not create an exact copy, but rather used the concepts as a template to create something new and original. In the future, it would be good to not use but at the beginning of two different clauses in the same sentence. But. <laughs> but you knew that already. But I digress. In a review by DVD Verdict, 
Mike Pinsky stated that turning the third episode over to such a character when Michael passes off responsibility for picking a corporate... Anyway, let's not read this one. Um, let's just read the AV Club one each time. Because they, yeah, they do I a think, great job. And, what, and I don't trust long. DVD... What is DVD? Verdict. They don't know anything compared to us. Yeah, here's the DVD verdict. <laughs> We've never heard of your magazine or whatever it is. <laughs> your blog. <laughs> if they had those in 2005. Yeah, I give DVD verdict... No stars. Me too. No pins and needles. Although this might be a great review. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll never know. Yeah. But anyway, AV Club. They thought that Dwight's going to be the breakout character based on this episode. I like that review. Hmm. Yeah, what do you think? Is Dwight the breakout character? This is a very Dwight episode, right? Which I think are my favorite episodes. Well. Dwight and Michael. Mm-hmm. They, they split this episode pretty well. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard because... Dwight does interesting things in this episode, but you got to go back, pretend that he's never done anything. You don't know Dwight, the character. This would be such a breakthrough in terms of Dwight. As we are knowing the whole series, this is a very Dwight episode. It's a good one, but it's like, you know, it's great that they got him so quickly. This, yeah, this would get me hooked on the show. Yeah. I like this one. Okay, so... What's your Dundee to give out? So this was really hard for me because originally I was going to give it to Dwight for the strongest immune system. Mm-hmm. But I've since changed my mind. I'm going to give it to Jan for direct communication. All right. Good. I was also going to go between those two. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think I'm going to go... Because they're the only ones that really do their job this episode. Yeah, and I originally wanted to give it to Dwight, but I think that I'll have plenty of opportunities to give Dwight a Dundee in the future. That's true. And Jan goes downhill pretty quickly, so you might as well give her the Dundee (laughs) while she deserves it. Well, I don't want to get two Dundees on her shelf and get a big head, so I'm going to give it to Oscar for standing up a pay decrease. (laughs) Because he really analyzes this, and he does, he does confront Michael multiple times. Yeah. And this is actually just beginning Oscar, but it's strong Oscar. It and is. unlike Jim, the disruptive, condescending presence that he is in this plot, not the Privileged. episode, he's like, nice. But, you know, Oscar is really trying to help. Mm-hmm. And... I think he puts it in the most succinct words when he says this is like a pay decrease because their deductible is 1200 and they have no dental or vision now. So you're going to give Oscar the solid gold Dundee so he can melt it down and that way he won't have to have a pay decrease? Um, they're plastic, but yeah, same thing. <laughs> he can make some plastic coins and hopefully pass those off. <laughs> Buy some better health insurance with it. Heck yeah. So what are we going to give this one as a rating... Out of the scale of six that we've come up with, six out of six being pretzel day. Five out of six, beach day. Four out of six, a little stitious. Three out of six, garbage, the cat. It sounds so bad when it's garbage, but it's the cat. It's a cool the cat. cat. yeah. Two out of six, this just stinks. One out of six is... Okay. No! 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 You're going to get to hear me say that every episode. I think last time it was a different one, but I don't remember what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) I would give this probably 
beach day. Beach day. I want to give it pretzel day, but I feel like it's too early to give something pretzel day. It's not too early to give something pretzel day, but the show hasn't hit that peak yet. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to give it beach and a half day. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh... It's not on our scale. Beachin'. Mm. This episode is beachin'. Yeah, it is. I really liked this one, but I feel similarly. I think I'm going to give this one beach day as well. Yeah. It's better than a little stitious. It's not quite pretzel day for me, but such a great job they did on this episode. And we got to appreciate these low-key office scenario episodes because they don't last forever. They're like fossil fuels. Keep that in mind. (laughs) Next time you're driving your lawnmower, (laughs) whatever the kids do these days. (laughs) I think if Dwight was actually wearing a mustard-colored shirt, as is characteristic, that I would probably give it a pretzel day. Yeah. I think one thing that kind of hurts the episode is just the, the Jim and Pam. It's kind of tainted it a little bit. Just knowing that their their fun, flirty, privileged lifestyle has cost everyone their health care. Yeah, how do they afford that rock and roll lifestyle? No, how do uh, I'm trying to think of another line from that song? <laughs> how do they pay for their black leather jackets? <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good, actually. Uh, and we can end it on that note. Yep. So check out. The A5 on Facebook and look at that Instagram of the no personal calls. Oh, wait. Look at it on Facebook because we don't have an Instagram yet. Maybe we will by the time you hear this. And if you want to hear what we thought about Phantom Thread. Oh, yeah. We recorded a bonus episode, which may or may not be available in your feed right now. Just click there with your finger. <laughs> um, next episode we've got coming up. I guess we'll just have to wait and see what comes on NBC next Thursday. <laughs> but in another way, I think it will be The Alliance. Starting in 10. Now, you know how Netflix does that? Yeah. Are you still watching? Yeah. Are you okay? Did you hear about that guy who was watching like 100 days straight of The Office and Netflix called him to make sure that he was still alive? Really? That was me. Oh, <laughs> you were that guy? <laughs> No, it wasn't me, but it was somebody else. They're probably listening right now, though. They really did call. Mm-hmm. But you just have to keep clicking, right, for still playing? Maybe, Maybe they, they were just checking to see if he was okay. Yeah. That's too much office, man. That's... Hold on. Don't Whoa. let the existential dread set in, man. Maybe he got the sippy bird from The Simpsons, and it was clicking the button on his <laughs> PS2 controller. <laughs> PS3 or whatever. Yes, I'm still watching. Leave me alone. It's like, continue press any key it's like that thing that they have for tinder where it just goes like this just swipes to the right you can't see what i'm doing but it's swiping (laughs) it's what it's a machine yeah i'll just you plug it in the auxiliary cord and it'll just bloop 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 bloop. forever yeah just so you get as many matches as possible yeah but you don't like them you might you want (laughs) to up the chances maybe you should just focus on making yourself more likable (laughs) (laughs) rather than inventing this machine write a better bio or get better pics 
And for all of us here at the A5, have uh, a good night. And we all think you don't have an ending. <laughs> When Thomas Edison invented his machine that did that on Tinder, he had to electrocute an elephant to prove it worked. <laughs> okay, so you're not okay with beating dead horses. You're not okay with kicking dogs to death, but you're okay with electrocuting elephants? It's in black and white. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think black and white movies are real. <laughs> what about the Wizard of Oz? How do you explain that to a Kansan? Part of it is the black, in black and, white and white part isn't real. Oh. Only the Oz okay. part is real. <laughs> I don't I believe the in opposite. the Dust Bowl. <laughs> that is the most offensive thing you can say to a kid. I want to watch a documentary about the Dust Bowl. You know? Have you seen that one? No, but we should review it next week. <laughs>